News Network. Fake news, equity, inclusion, words that are all the buzz. You do know what buzz is, right? It's noise. And that's where we're headed. A culture of noise. More concerned with the topicality of the noise than the substance of the truth. Well, we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And you're in luck. The anti-buzzmaster is in. Dan Newman. What a topical way to intro this show today. The buzz. Honestly, I am sick and tired of the buzz. I'm tired of the finger pointing. I'm tired of the lying and cheating and stealing and totally going backwards when things are said or supposed to be truthful. I'm sick of it. So why don't we just shake it a little bit this morning with Michael. Oh my gosh. Was this the best album Michael Jackson ever did? I think so.
lie. You tapped your foot, didn't you? You snapped your fingers to Michael Jackson. That was probably, maybe with the exception of, um, oh, you remember the one where he was the ghoul? That was the big one. That was a very first big music video on MTV. Besides that one, Billie Jean, I think was probably his best hit ever. I don't care what you thought about him. He was a great musician, and he was amazing at putting sounds together. He and uh, Quincy, his uh, production partner, my gosh, they just had it going on for decades and decades. James Posey just sent me a text and said he was shaking his butt. That, my friend, is more information than we needed this morning. Hey there, everybody. It's a short week. Well, we took the day off yesterday. Normally, we're here every day, Monday through Friday. But we felt like you needed a day away where you could kind of concentrate on things other than the normal stuff. You know, the crap we deal with every day, talking about our government, things going on stuff that people are doing without explanation, lying about it, all those things, we gave you a day off. And at the same time, we took a day off. And I want to say thank you for giving us that opportunity. It is Tuesday, and that means Steve Baker will be joining us in our second hour. And uh, he's been at the Blaze Network, I think, basically for about a week And uh, we communicated this morning like we always do on Tuesday mornings. Looks like he may be over there through this week, as a matter of fact. So there's a lot of things going on that he'll be able to share with us that only he knows. And that's another great reason to have him as our partner on Tuesday mornings. Every Tuesday, Steve Baker, our own investigative journalist, joins us in our second hour. But what we're going to do in this first hour is we're going to tell you some things that probably will shock some of you. Maybe not. Probably you're going to go, "Eh, you know, I kind of thought that. You know, with all this great economic leadership that we have coming out of the White House, we all know everything's on a great footing. He's got us moving. Joe Biden's got us going in the right direction. Our inflation's under control. Our uh, spendable Income is going up. It has been since the day he became president, right? And everybody's at peace around the world and we're not facing any kind of international problems. Our spending is no big deal. (laughs) You know, all of that is the crap that we talk about here every day. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, in a speech, he talked about how he had reduced our deficit more than any other president in history. And then this morning, guess what comes out? The federal government's deficit for fiscal year 2023, it's going to double. Thanks largely to large amounts of government spending that was initiated by the Biden administration. That's according to budget experts in the Washington Post. So a left-wing rag published that. And it's real negative. It's truthful, but it's real negative. But uh, you know what that means? That means Biden either lied or somebody purposely gave him some bad information. 
This deficit will most likely reach $2 trillion. That's doubling from 2022's $1 trillion deficit because of Biden's increased government spending on his infamous Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation. Added to that is some higher Social Security payments because of elevated inflation, which means inflation, there's a cost of living increase or decrease in payments for those on Social Security. This deficit, this jump, is one of the largest in a time outside of major crises, things like wars and recessions, and this signals a further increase in interest rates and more economic difficulties in the near future. A debt growing much faster than the economy is going to certainly drive interest rates up, reduce economic investment, and over time make those interest payments the largest single federal expenditure. Think about that. Before we pay $1 for anything substantive to run our country, we're going to write a check for our debt that exceeds everything else rolled in. What do you call that? Call it a debt crisis. The recent deficit jump could potentially impact Biden's hopes for re-election. And let's hope that's the case, if he's still in the race. Voters are going to respond to economic difficulties. That's the way we always do it. How's it impacting us right now? Biden every day's out there. Well, not every day, because he's not out there every day. But when he's out there and a microphone shows up, he touts his goal to reduce the deficit in his Bidenomics plan. And every time he talks about it, he criticizes former President Trump for his response to the deficit during his time in office. He never refers to Trump as the former president. He calls him the previous guy, the last guy. Biden over and over again claims his policies reduced the federal deficit. Government spending only reduced after COVID-19-related spending measures expired, and that followed Biden's interest into office. Our government has spent $1.61 trillion more than it brought in since October of 2022, marking a 122% deficit increase. And that's according to Biden's Department of Treasury. If the deficit continues to grow at this pace, Americans will earn an estimated $9,000 less per year in 2049. That's a 10% decrease compared to declining debt. To see this in an economy with low unemployment is truly stunning. There's never been anything like it, Jason Furman, former economic advisor to the Obama administration, said. A good and strong economy with no emergency spending and yet a deficit like this? The fact that it is so big in one year makes you think it must be some weird, freakish thing going on. Let me tell you what weird, freakish thing is going on behind the scenes that causes the unemployment numbers to be skewed all over the place. 
big corporations cut deals with the Biden administration from even before his inauguration as president. What deals? We'll pay you big bucks into your campaign, but here's what we want. We want more educated immigrants to come across the southern border so we can replace our higher-paid, more expensive blue-collar workers with these migrants who will work for less. And don't worry about getting them legal, Mr. President. We don't want them legal. We want their payroll to be off the records. In other words, they want to pay them behind the back, which is illegal to do. But if you've got the president in your pocket, you can pretty much do anything you want to do, can't you? So once again, thank you, Uncle Joe. Now let me tell you, this one is going to blow your mind. This came up this morning also. You know what we did last month, the United States? Our production of crude oil, it reached the highest levels in 40 months. You heard me right. Our U.S. production of crude oil reached the highest levels in 40 months as domestic production returned to pre-pandemic levels. Now, that's according to an August 31st report released by the Biden Energy Information Administration. The U.S. produced 12.8 million barrels a day. That's of crude oil in June. That matches production in February of 2020, the month before pandemic shutdowns took place. Reuters reported this morning, first thing, oil prices went up in part due to Saudi Arabia's voluntary cuts in oil production. Saudi Arabia has consistently reduced its oil production since August 2022. Now, why would they do that? Well, they've got all the oil they need for themselves, and they sell it to make money, obviously, around the world. But if they don't produce as much as normal, that means they're not sending more than they are right now. They're not doing it to keep prices high. Now, when Donald Trump was in the White House, we were producing the same amount. But what we were doing, we actually did it over a period of months and we began to sell more in the open marketplace to many of our allies, which drove the cost of oil down. Oil companies were still making buttloads full of money. But you and I were paying way, 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 way less at the pump. Why? Because of Bidenomics. Bidenomics is the sole cause for all of the inflation that you're paying so much more for things that you just took for granted would stay at the same price level. The national average for unleaded gas was $3.81 yesterday, Labor Day. That's according to AAA. That's a few cents more than the three seventy nine dollars we paid last year on Labor Day. Highest recorded average price was $5.02 a gallon, June 14th, 2020. The day Joe Biden was elected, 
I paid $1.69 a gallon at Sam's Warehouse. And then I got a 10-cent discount from that because I'm a Sam's Club member. $1.69. I'm doing good now to get $3.80. This is the real world, folks. We live, you and I, we live in a real country. We don't share the la-la land with Joe Biden He doesn't have a clue where he is. He doesn't have a clue what's going on in his own life, let alone your life and my life. He tells us he gives a rip, but he really doesn't. And you think I'm joking about he doesn't have any idea about his own life? President Biden returning to his Rehoboth Beach House in Delaware this weekend. But Carly, do not call it a vacation. The reason I'm here today, just for one day, I know I'm on vacation. I'm not. I have no home to go to. The Secret Service has torn my house up in a good way to make it secure. So I have no place to go when I come to Delaware except here right now. I'm only here for one day. Are you homeless? No, I'm not homeless. I just have one home, my beautiful home. But I, I'm down here for the day because I can't go home. home. <laughs> okay, Coach Tommy Laren joins us now. And Tommy, the interesting thing about that moment is it was completely unprompted. He just went up to the reporters and started talking about why he's in Rehoboth Beach because he can't go to his primary residence in Delaware because the Secret Service is working on the house, so he's got to be at his vacation home. And he probably said it because of headlines like this from the New York Post. Slacker in chief Biden keeps up record 40% vacation pace despite disasters. So what do you think about that moment and the notion that the president is spending too much time on vacation? Well, he is spending too much time on vacation, but also how tone deaf to make a comment like that. You know, you've got people that have been impacted by a hurricane, people that have impacted by wildfires in Maui that literally do not have a home to go to. And you have the president and commander in chief talking about how he has to go to his vacation home on the beach because his other home is currently being upgraded. And then he jokes about homelessness, which is also affecting a record number of Americans, particularly in blue states like California. California. So completely tone deaf all around. And also the notion that he has to go to Delaware and the one house isn't isn't available, so he's got to go to the other one. You know, last time I checked, he could probably go anywhere in the United States and probably find some place to stay. I would suggest East Palestine, Ohio, but we know he told us a couple of days that he doesn't have time to go there either. He was planning on it, and then someone reminded him that he has to literally go around the world, so no time to go there either. It's been about seven months since the those people experience disaster. The president apparently, though, just does not have time to make it there. What a shame. I don't know if there are any billionaires in East Palestine that could put them up. And also, Tommy, this definitely feels like Joe Biden is uh, middle class Joe Biden, I should say, mm-hmm. is definitely one of those people who's starting to turn summer into a verb as opposed to the middle class people that he fights for. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Michelle Obama could give President Biden a run for his money if she wanted to run for president. Look at this in a hypothetical matchup. Forty Eight percent of Democratic voters would choose the former first lady. Only 36 percent would choose the president. Your thoughts on this, Tommy? 
I think that we've all known for a long time that Michelle Obama would be a big threat running as a Democrat, whether it was against Joe Biden in place of Joe Biden, what have you. You know, she has been incredibly popular and the Democrats love the fact that she checks a lot of boxes. But speaking of that, it's going to be really hard to convince uh, Kamala Harris to step aside for Michelle Obama. They still have that Kamala problem. And it also speaks to what a horrible vice president that she is, that they would look to Michelle Obama instead of lifting her up for that role. So whether it's Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden, this is not going to be an easy race. I know a lot of people think looking at the country that 2024 is going to be a landslide for Republicans, whoever that Republican nominee is. But uh, wait and watch because the Democrats are very good at this game. If it's Michelle Obama, we're in trouble. If it's Gavin Newsom, we're in trouble. Even if it's Joe Biden, we could be in trouble. That's why we have to be vigilant. We have to keep our grassroots game strong. Nothing is a given at this point, guys, as you well know. Yeah. And there's a new a Wall Street Journal poll. It says only the, they're only three years apart, but 73% of voters feel that Biden is too old to seek a second term, compared to 47% of voters who said the same for 77-year-old Trump. So age is certainly going to play a factor in the 2024 election as well. If you're a Democrat, how do you reconcile even contemplating, based upon everything we see and hear, forget about the corruption that's out there. It's all still in the alleged column. Yeah, we all know there's a bunch of it there, but it's still until evidence before a court proves otherwise, it's in the alleged mode. But I'm talking about the very obvious things that we see and hear. Like you just heard, the guy says he's not homeless, but he has no home. Well, first of all, what the heck is homelessness? There are a lot of people. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of people on the streets, living on the streets of America today because of Bidenomics and because of his policies about, hey, we'll let all the illegal aliens that want to come in come in and take all the infrastructure away from legal Americans. And we're going to take care of those illegals. Why? Because they'll help us become the Democrat Party, permanent voting in control political party for perpetuity. It's all about stuff like that. I, 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 ju- I just cannot get over anybody believing that this guy, first of all, would do a better job. There's no evidence that he would. The way you tell how somebody's going to do going forward in a job that they're trying to get us to give them, especially when the guy's in that particular slot right now, how the heck is he doing in that slot right now? And nobody, nobody can credibly say Joe Biden is a good president. I defy you to come on this show. If you literally feel he's doing a good job as president, call us and let's have a conversation live. I will not try to diminish you. I will let you tell your story. That's what this is all about, a clearinghouse for facts But know this, when you call in, we're going to talk about some facts that probably won't be comfortable and probably won't fit your political narrative. But facts live in a vacuum. And there are things about Donald Trump and other Republicans that are not good. 
I don't think anybody gets a free pass. Do you? I think everybody has to be held accountable for things in their past. That gives us evidence of the decision-making possibilities they have going for them. Look in the rearview mirror. When I hear Joe Biden just do what he did, he was in Rehoboth. That's also in Delaware. It's a beach house. He was there. And he said he didn't have a place to go. Uh, What about 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? You control that until at least January of 2025. (laughs) You can't go there. And by the way, we're the ones that are upgrading your house so that you can be considered to be safe. We the people are doing that. When you move out of the White House, are you going to give us the key back to the additions that we made to that vacation home for you, they actually built a separate facility on his property for the Secret Service to stay in when he decides to go there on vacation. Every place he goes on vacation, there has to be a place for Secret Service to stay really close to him to protect him. And it's that way for every president. It's not special. But Joe, he lives in an alter world. I don't think anybody can credibly say other than that. Do you remember, this is back, I guess, maybe two years ago, when he gave that speech in front of some Navy sailors on an aircraft carrier, I believe. They were there for it. And he referenced, he actually, as he always likes to do, he likes to go back and take a snippet out of some famous person that gave it in a speech years ago and try to make everybody think that it was his wittiness. And he hearkened back to Ronald Reagan in a speech that Reagan gave. Actually, both of them, the one Joe was doing and the one that Reagan was doing is to the Coast Guard, which is part of the U.S. Navy. And there's some back and forth between Coast Guard members and Navy. One thinks the other's better. You know how that is. It's like pretty much any military, any football, any school, anything. Mine's better than yours. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to how Reagan said this, the exact same thing. Reagan said it when he was 77 years old, and then you're going to hear Biden try to say the same thing, both of them in front of Coast Guard members, and listen to how Biden handles it. Listen closely. My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that, and I quote, The Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. And then there's here's Biden. That you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are you're a really dull class. So they didn't respond. It's because he didn't say the same thing. He quoted from Reagan's message, his speech, <laughs> and he didn't quote it. Listen again. Here's, here's President Reagan first. 
My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that, and I quote, the Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. So he missed it. He messed up. But listen to what he said to those that he messed up saying that to. You are quite, you're a really dull class. A really dull class. <laughs> He's got to diminish everybody else that's part of the conversation when they didn't say anything. He... <laughs> He's the one that stepped all over it himself, which he does famously over and over and over. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lion dog face pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that he chooses truth over facts. That's pretty. That's pretty solid. Lying dog face pony soldier. I, apparently, that that is from some unnamed western, or he heard a man in the old west say it to him when he was but a child in Scranton, Pennsylvania, watching gay men make out on street corners. That's another one of his favorite stories. One where he says that his dad said, "Joey, see those two men making out like it's New Year's Eve in Fire Island, a street corner, nineteen fifty Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's just what love looks like, Joey." <laughs> We could do an entire show. We could do a two-hour show and just play one after another. And this guy holds the most powerful political position on the planet. He's our go-to guy. And he has not a clue about anything going on in his personal life, let alone in the lives of every American. That is not laughable. That's sad. I think nobody can credibly say it's sad that we have somebody in that position, our leader, somebody that we want to be successful. I mean, his success morphs into our success because he represents us. Every financial, every economic decision, every... um, Oh, I don't know. Every decision, there's not a single one that he makes as president of the United States that doesn't either directly or indirectly impact us all. We want him to do well. We want him to be successful. And then when it comes time to vote, whenever that is, we can make our choices then, but make our choices based on facts, not on politicians just saying things and wanting us to believe, and if we don't believe because the facts don't cause us to believe, Joe gets hacked off, and he'll make fun of us. That's not leadership. Wow, good news on oil production. Hopefully, we can sustain that over the next four to six months and watch as our energy costs seem to go down. They need to go down. There's the biggest segment in our society that's out of our control. Things that we can't do better than, like buying food, buying gasoline, buying diesel. Our electricity goes up because electricity 
on the most part in the United States, it's created through coal, natural gas. We have a little bit of nuclear electricity that is done here, but don't forget, Democrats don't like nuclear energy anymore, which is 100%. uh, It has no side effects whatsoever. There's no waste. Nuclear is 100% free of pollution. We don't have that. And so we must rely on fossil fuel sources. And yet Joe Biden and his ilk, all those people that surround him, they say it's all evil. It's going to destroy Earth. If we have time in the show today, I'll play our old buddy, John Kerry, at a Africa, a whole continental Africa, got together to talk about clean energy going forward. You will not believe what John Kerry had to say. Don't forget, Steve Baker comes up at the top of the next hour. We've got much to do, much to talk about between now and then. Straight ahead. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60. Take on life in style. You know, there's something that with Everybody going home to work. You remember that during our COVID-19 pandemic? 
and we know that a lot of people really enjoyed that. And apparently a lot of companies got okay results from their employees going to the house and working from home. And so a lot of them are staying at home. In many cases, employers don't like it. But right now in America, because of the workforce structure and all of the uh, ancillary facts factored in, employees pretty much run the ship. So what does that mean? They don't go back to work. They're working from home. Why? Why is our government paying billions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, to take care of these massive real estate buildings across the nation that are there for these employees to work in. The Republican Party, they're demanding the Biden administration either do one of two things, make them come back to work, get away from working from home, or let's have a clearance sale and get rid of all these buildings. Republicans are pointing that Billions of taxpayer dollars are being wasted on empty federal office space. Employees are taking full advantage of work-from-home policies that Biden implemented during the pandemic. So, as always happens, reports have surfaced showing government employees taking bubble baths or taking in a round of golf while being paid to go to work. Some have even claimed to be working during happy hours at their favorite bistro. One Department of Veterans Affairs employee based in Atlanta posted a series of Instagram posts back in March that showed him in a bathtub. One was captioned, quote, my office for the next hour. That particular picture shows a government-issued computer on a stand open up to a staff meeting with the employee's bare legs soaking in the tub, filled with bubbles. A stunning 75% of office space at 17, 17 separate federal agencies are sitting empty. 75% of them. Now this is according to Biden's GAO, Government Accountability Office. Conservatives either want federal employees back in the office or the building sold off to help pay off our out-of-control national debt. The Daily Mail reported that agencies spent $2 billion last year to operate and maintain federal office buildings and over $5 billion annually in leases. That's $7 billion all in that we're not using. Senator Joni Ernst from uh, Iowa, Republican, she demanded that Biden hold a clearance sale on unused office space In an interview, she stated that it could go toward paying off the $33 trillion in national debt. She asserted that the impact of telework on federal employees' performance must be evaluated. Many civil servants, like meat inspectors or airport security screeners, they don't have the luxury of working from home, much less a bubble bath. That's what the uh, senator said. She wrote to a number of agency inspector generals voicing her concerns about the misuse of taxpayer money. She noted that getting rid of offices at several agencies would cut down on waste. She specifically referred to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, their headquarters, which would allegedly save 30 million taxpayer dollars a year. She singled out 
a USPTO patent examiner who never showed up to work was paid $25,000 for 730 hours not worked. That employee was golfing and engaging in other activities instead of going to work. Biden's chief of staff, Jeff Zents, issued a directive that ordered all federal employees to return to the office this fall. They have now been working at home for years due to the pandemic. We're returning to in-person work because it's critical to the well-being of our teams and will enable us to deliver better results for the American people, Zent stated in his letter to all the cabinet heads, adding that it's a priority of the president. Yeah, right. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer and Reps Pete Sessions of Texas, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, also wrote to Biden demanding to know if telework policies were leading to decreased productivity. There's no need to even go through this research. It doesn't matter. If they're not using the real estate, dump the real estate. Get rid of it. We've got to learn how not to spend money federal tax dollars that need to be spent some places that are being wasted because Joe let all these workers work from home, these federal workers work from home. They don't want to come back, and nobody's making them come back. That's fine. Get another job somewhere or come back to work. It's that simple. Now, there's a big hoo-ha down in Texas, it's getting going today. Republicans there have been publicly criticizing each other because of the impeachment of Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton, and his trial is underway right now. Paxton is a three-term incumbent. He was impeached by the Texas House of Representatives in a bipartisan vote May 27th, and his impeachment is on 20 counts relating to alleged misconduct while he's been in office. He's suspended from his duties till the trial's over. And his allies have published attack ads. I've seen some of them. They're pretty raunchy, critical of supporters of his impeachment, who have also made media appearances supporting the process. People know this is a political witch hunt. I think we understand what those things are, those political witch hunts. They're doing it to Trump. They're trying to do it to Paxton. That's Jonathan Strickland who leads the pro-Paxton Defend Texas Liberty Political Action Committee. He said that on a talk show over the weekend. What spineless Republicans are doing to at Ken Paxton is appalling. At CPAC will stand with him and score key votes. Amazing, the same GOP who doesn't want to impeach Biden, want to impeach, convict A.G. Paxton after the voters knew and backed him. That's from Matt Slap. Defend Texas Liberty placed a highway side billboard in Stevens County that reads, quote, Glenn Rogers joined 61 Democrats to impeach Ken Paxton. Returning to Republican State Rep Glenn Rogers, according to The Times, Rogers has stated that over 70% of GOP voted the same way I did, according to comments on CBS News. This is something our PAC, again, has done consistently with liberal Republicans 
wherever they are in the state. PAC Director Luke Macia said that according to an interview with CBS. He added, we're looking at billboards across the entire state. It's almost like this is becoming a weaponized against your political opponents, America. Our political system, it's going away from representing we the people. And it's becoming representative of a political party's ideology. I don't know Ken Paxton. I know I have some friends that are very close friends of his, and they think a lot of him, and they think this is literally a witch hunt. I am not aware of all the intricacies of his impeachment process. Now, why am I telling you that? It's because I don't know. I can't weigh in on the validity of it. But that doesn't stop most people, does it? I mean, simply, if you're not a member of the Republican Party in some state, it's almost automatic. You're going to be against Ken Paxton, and you want him gone. Why? Because mob rule. That is where we're headed with our political system in the U.S. Whether you agree to it or not, maybe you haven't even thought about it. Mob rule is where the left sees victory and wants to take us down that road as quickly as they possibly can. Over the weekend, and now you got to remember this, Congress has been out on recess. Now, They'll tell you, not vacation, we were visiting all of our voters, and most of them do that. I know my congressman, Mike Johnson, who you hear here on this show quite a bit, Mike Johnson has 16 different parishes that he represents. And while he was off, he went back to D.C. the end of last week. I saw him on multiple TV shows uh, doing reports, and he was in Washington. But before that, when he came back, he was going to all 16 of these parishes. And those of you that don't know, parishes are the same thing as counties in other states. Catholic Church, when they established Louisiana, they called them parishes because they were affiliated, each of them, with uh, particular Catholic Church parishes. But Mike visits all of them. And... uh you, you got to do that. If you're repping people, which everybody in Congress is rep- representing, people in their districts and states, you've got to go stay in touch because what you're being paid for is to go back to D.C. and represent what things they want, what things they don't want. But there's so many moving parts right now. And it's like the mainstream media, they love to just move away from anything that's contentious about members of the Democrat Party. That's just the way it operates. So over the weekend, I saw Mike, and I grabbed this little piece of this interview, and he's talking about what Biden's involvement in this latest, whatever you want to call it, Biden family syndicate, corruption, whatever you want to call it, it makes Watergate, Remember Richard Nixon, Watergate, he had to resign in shame to keep from being impeached? Mike said, the Biden stuff makes Watergate look like a walk in the park. 
Well, the Biden's web of corruption keeps unwinding as new emails from 2014 show Joe Biden used a pseudonym to discuss a future White House hire with Hunter. Joining me now to talk about all this is Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. He's a member of the Judiciary Committee and House GOP Conference Chair. And Congressman, I should mention you're also a small business owner. I just have to ask you, in light of these new numbers that came out today on jobs and, and what's been happening with inflation that we heard about this week, the price of oil spiking close to $86 a barrel. How concerned are you about the economy in, in the near future, in the next year or so? Well, we're very concerned. I'm here in my home state of Louisiana, and I'm driving around, and all I see is help wanted signs everywhere, David. I mean, th this jobs report offers little comfort to real Americans who are being squeezed in their family budgets by inflation. You know, interest rates are rising and savings are dwindling. You know, you got about 70% of the American people now admit that they're stressed about their finances, and for good reason, and they know who to blame. It's, it's President Biden and the Democrats and their spending habits. And, you know, the big businesses in America have, have gotten all these benefits over the Biden administration, <clears throat> all of the people with the loudest uh, lobbyists down in Washington seem to get various benefits from certain certain green energy plans or whatever it was. But small small businesses such as yours are really getting screwed. Forgive the vernacular, but uh, I mean they they are getting screwed both by regulations and by threats of new taxes. Uh, it's not a good situation for small businesses, and that's where most of the jobs come from. Yeah, that's the lifeblood of the economy. And you're exactly right. Every small business in every industry is struggling right now. And I hear about it everywhere I go. I've had town halls in my district this month. We've been on district work period and, and people are desperate. And you have family uh, businesses that have been second, third generation that are now in jeopardy for the first time of going under. They're just they're just struggling to keep up. And the lower income workers are the ones, of course, that are hit the hardest by all of this. All right. Let's switch over to the Biden investigations. The big picture here is the DOJ. I haven't seen this sort of thing, and I've been around a little longer than I care to remember, but I, I, I remember the Nixon administration, one of the key concerns of Americans that led to the p potential for the impeachment of Nixon and his resignation was using the DOJ, using the Department of Justice for his own purposes, whatever they were. That was the greatest concern and uh, what led to the inquiry of, of, of impeachment over him. It seems to be the same thing happening all over again, doesn't it? When you look at the way the DOJ has has stuck its nose in these, these supp supposedly independent investigations going on. Yes, they are impeding all of our investigations in the House, and that comparison is is an important one. Uh, you go all the way back to the Nixon years, but what we're seeing right now, to your point, David, is unprecedented. There has never been a level of politicization and weaponization of the Department of Justice itself than what we're seeing right now. It's staggering. You know, the House Judiciary Committee that I serve on, the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, Oversight, Ways and Means, every one of our investigations uh, have they've stood in the way of, and you have federal agencies trying to protect the president. We have to, I believe, I'm on record now saying we have to move to the stage of an impeachment inquiry because that allows us an, a newer and higher level of authority so that we can get the documents that we need that they've been trying to hide from us. And and I guess they, they actually pulled the uh, uh, the executive uh, privilege card in, in preventing information about whether or not the DOJ was communicating with with uh, David Weiss, who at that time, before, when he was U.S. attorney, and supposedly had all this freedom to do anything he wanted, you're trying to get the, the correspondence between the G DOJ and Weiss. You haven't been able to get it. How can you get it? 
Well, we've, we've issued subpoenas. I mean, at some point, it comes to a contempt of Congress uh, level. But again, if we move into the impeachment inquiry phase, I, I think that we can uh, skip over some of these these steps. It, it, it requires them to turn over documents that they otherwise would not, because under normal circumstances, Congress is limited in its investigation authority to legislative purposes. Right now, we're trying to determine uh, what we believe to be true, that the president is compromised by taking foreign money through bribes. And let's not forget, Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution expressly states bribery as the second cause for a necessary impeachment. I mean, I, we have to follow the truth where it leads. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution, and that's exactly what's at stake right now. And then, of course, some of these uh, uh, fake emails or emails with, with fake names that, that uh, Joe Biden as vice president was using to communicate with his son indicate that there was, was were, that Hunter was being brought into planning for key planning for for conversations with the president of ukraine that might have had to do with the the prosecutor who was looking into his son's business the white house now says that information is protected by executive privilege to which you say what i say that's absurd victor shokin has said specifically that joe biden paid the president of ukraine a billion taxpayer dollars to remove Shokin from his job. Why? Because Shokin was a prosecutor investigating Hunter Biden and Burisma. I mean, this stuff makes Watergate look like a walk in the park. And I, I had uh, my good friend Jamie Comer on my podcast uh, yesterday, and we discussed this in detail, and he agrees on oversight. I agree in judiciary. We have got to take this to the next level because that's where the investigation leads. And he's putting together a timeline right now, by the way, a brand new evidence that's been uncovered yeah. that seems to indicate that Hunter Biden was flying around on Air Force Two uh, during all of these uh, these uh, underhanded dealings. And so we've got to get to the bottom of it. The American people deserve that. Well, is the next step an impeachment inquiry? Well, you heard Speaker McCarthy say that that's the next natural step. And I, I think it is. I mean, I, I definitely believe that I think we'll have consensus among the House Republicans to do that uh, because we have, again, an obligation under the Constitution to investigate these things and to follow the truth where it leads, whether it's politically wise or not. That's not our calculation when you're talking about impeachment uh, accusations. We, yeah. we have to follow this all the way through. So the impeachment inquiry allows us that next step. And I think most of my colleagues are going to agree on that. You know, then there is this the, the problem of having a dual justice system where you have similar problems being investigated in different ways with different outcomes in, in regard to prosecution. And one of those is in the documents case, the case against against uh, or the case that's being investigated of President Biden, who had documents, by the way, classified documents that he apparently took out when he was senator and vice president. So he, he wasn't covered by the Presidential Records Act. Uh, but Robert Hur, who's a special counsel looking into that whole thing, seems to be slow walking it, kind of like Weiss was doing with the Hunter investigation, which took five years. So that investigation might not be over until after the election, whereas for, for President, former President Trump, they are speeding that through as fast as possible. And again, President Trump can claim, maybe it's not a valid claim, that, but that he was covered by the Presidential Records Act, whereas Vice President Biden wasn't when he took all that stuff out of the White House to his, to his open garage. David, what you just articulated is exactly what the American people are seeing and feeling, that they're, they're losing 
losing their faith in our institutions, the system of justice itself, because they see this two-tiered system at play, as you just described. I've done public events and town halls throughout my district in Louisiana over the last couple of weeks, and this is the first or second question asked in every single forum. Can we trust our system of justice? Look, we cannot maintain a constitutional republic. A system like ours, if the people lose their faith, that, that we have equal justice under the law, that Lady Justice is still wearing the blindfold. They don't see that right now. There definitely is a two-tiered justice system. You cannot credibly say otherwise. That is the way that it is. The only question is, what are we going to do about it? And who's going to do it, whatever it is that we come up with that is a solution for it? But you think we've seen a bunch so far You wait until all of this litigation and this trial stuff comes up and we start seeing and hearing just how egregious our government is, Department of Justice, and everybody in law enforcement at the federal level. I mean, that includes a bunch of different agencies. When they start coming out of the woodwork to go postal against Donald Trump, it's going to scare the bejesus out of many Americans, one of them being me. Wow. Well, guess what? We're headed to the top of the hour, and our buddy Steve Baker will be joining us right on the other side of this commercial break. We have got some things we need his input for. Steve Baker, up next at TNN Live. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Kick it in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh... Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week, you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday, you took a selfie. Hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday, you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. I've always wanted to ask this question of Steve Baker. 
Steve, I don't know if you could hear that liner going back into this, but uh, were you ever a roller derby fan? <laughs> I dated a roller derby girl one time. I would never admit that if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she could, we'll just say that she could handle herself in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all could. I mean, I, I've never seen that much physicality among women as I did on, on skates. And I grew up in Lafayette, South Louisiana. We had roller derby on every Friday and Saturday night. And oh I mean, yeah, man! Oh my my, you know my family. We'd sit around and eat popcorn and watch them go after it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. How did we start the this segment of the show talking about roller derby? I uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I think there are <laughs> few. I'm gonna, go ahead. I'm going to follow your lead around the rink, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! There are so many moving parts. So many moving parts, and um, there's so much that we know is out there kind of in hiding, at least right now, that is about to be loosed on it. You can sense it. And more and more people I talk to, they have this foreboding feeling that they express. They'll say this, I don't know quite how to put it, but I just feel like something sinister is hiding and is just about ready to jump out and get us again. Many people are thinking because of the latest little falderal that's come out about uh, our variants, COVID-19. We have apparently two mm-hmm. variants that are out there, and they're already warning us or telling us we may be locking down, we may be closing schools again, and you got to start thinking about wearing masks and stuff. And then when I hear things like that, my mind just morphs to where this possibly could go. So what's ahead in our near future? Well, I guess the next big thing politically is the election in 2024. I can see a scenario where those on the left would like to force us back in to mail-in voting, only mail-in voting. And I would Mm -hmm. think if there was a pandemic or there was a fear that had been sown amongst us about a upcoming pandemic, they could use that and leverage that to quash the uh, in-person voting process because then, oh, we can't do that. You'll kill everybody in line if you go there and have it. It's, It's sad that we even think about stuff like that happening in our country. 50 years ago, Steve, we'd have never... We'd have never even thought about something like this. No. I'll tell you the first thing that is really tough for anybody to overcome is the scaremongering that comes down in the way that they use the math against us. And when you talk about math on the radio and you talk about numbers, I know you, you can lose audience. But let me let me try and share this in the simplest terms possible. When you have, you know, the, the, the network news organizations rolling out the experts again, even going to the Fauci well yet again, and you hear them saying that they have increased hospitalizations for COVID now, increasing by 12%, okay? That sounds like a scary number, Dan. Oh, my gosh. COVID hospitalizations are up 12%. But the reality is, is that the number of beds nationwide being used 
for COVID uh, cases is only about 1% of the nation's hospital beds. So if there's a 12% increase, what, what's the, what's the equation there? Do you know what the, you know what the sum total of the increase is? Dan? No, no. It not even, not even, not even up to 2% of the beds. There is no massive outbreak outbreak. And I, and I learned this, this thing about listening to statistics from news programs and from experts. This was 30 or 40 years ago when my, my tax accountant told me that if I took the home office deduction on my tax return, that my risk of being audited would increase by 30%. And that sounds like a scary number, again, really scary number. And so I said, well, what's my risk of being audited without taking the home office deduction? And he said, oh, about 1%. And I said, so I'm increasing to 1.3% by taking home office deduction? He goes, yeah, that's right. I said, well, we're, <laughs> dang it, we're taking the home office deduction. I'm not going to give them my money and allow them to scare me out of a legal deduction because they're sending out a newsletter to my accountant to, to scaring them away from, uh, you know, by saying that the, the increase will be by 30%. It, that's, that's the way those numbers work, and that's the way they try to scare us. But that's also how they try to scare us into compliance. It's how they scared us last time. We didn't understand the numbers. Americans recoil at math for whatever reason. We're not good at it. And those few of us that, that are skeptical about the numbers and then t- and go to our calculators and do and run the, run the simple arithmetic that we should have learned in fifth grade, we come away as being the people that are the naysayers and the misinformationists and the disinformationists because we actually hold up the calculator and show the American people and say, this is nothing to fear. And that's what they're that's what they're in the beginning of right now with this new, uh, you know, uh, round of, quote unquote, variants. And that is something that none of your audience needs to fear. This particular set of variants that have been naturally evolving since the release back from Wuhan, uh, however, you know, many years ago now. But uh, it, it has it has become basically a common cold. People are not dying from it. Uh, they may be dying with it because they have other comorbidities, as we learned through the last uh, big run up here three years ago. But th- this is not the end of civilization. <laughs> it's just not where we're headed right now. And uh, it will be, uh, I think, I think, at least from the people that I talk to and in the circles I move, we're, we're not going to stand for it this time. We're, we're going to put our foot down and say, no, you're not doing to it, this to us again. It's odd that you would go to that particular spot because I have in front of me the Friday data from COVID Data Tracker published by the CDC. So this is mm-hmm. fresh stuff. So how many across the nation? Now, remember, they're telling us, they're telling us things are getting dicey again. We've got to start watching. We need to start thinking about face masks. We need to start thinking about should we really be getting together in, you know, large crowds again. Hospital admissions last week for COVID. Give me a number off the top of your head nationwide. In numbers, 
Oh, and, and actual numbers? Yeah, just a number. Uh, total hospitalizations nationwide, From a COVID. number. I would say, I would say a thousand. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Okay. Yeah. But, then, but that's what they're saying is the total number. Yeah, but then listen to this. In the next column over, they put deaths, and they put the number of deaths of those 15,000, 2%. But then right below it, they put due to COVID-19. Yes. Less than one-tenth of 1%. Now, and this is very important, Dan, because even they know they're being watched closely now. So they have to make that distinction that they weren't making three years ago, yeah. even two years ago, even a year ago. Now they know that the jig is up, as they say, and they know that we're watching closely and we're paying attention to every single data point, And they have to make that distinction between the died with or the died of. Here's the thing that troubles me the most is there for this whole thing. And it is nothing but a charade for this charade to be accepted nationwide. There's going to have to be a large number of Americans that buy into it. I mean, literally buy into it like happened last time around, you know, when we were so stupid Anthony Fauci got up and pontificated every day, and then he got so mad at the end of it, talking about follow the science, follow the science. He screamed on a microphone, I'm the science. In other words, what I say is science, so you got to right. believe everything. Right. We're not going to go back there. I don't think we're going to go back that far, unless what might be coming down the pike is something really worse than COVID was. Now, let me tell you how this goes. This goes from the left. Mob rule. There are people that get together and discuss and plan, maybe not specifically, but they talk to each other and they talk about the topics. And then they say, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And then from that conversation comes a more concerted, let's get to the point conversation where they come up with what it may be. The only way it could be sustainable to do what happened in our first COVID pandemic, the only way that it would be sustainable would be if they came up with something that was far worse, or at least they could paint the picture to the American people that, you know, where you had one-tenth of one percent of whatever the number was of people that got COVID died from that you got to get something out there that they could say, oh, you know, this is going to be 10%, 15% or more of people that get mm-hmm. this. And it's communicable. So you're going to get it when you breathe somebody else's air, when you touch them accidentally. Something as critical as maybe Ebola or one of those, you know, nasty things that came out of Africa uh, or some other country that scared everybody to death. But it was real. Do you think we will ever see a situation where our government under mob rule, whatever you want to call it, that's my term for it, push Mm -hmm. us in that direction or so hell bent on sending us down that road 
that they actually do something crazy like this? Uh, you know, this is, you're asking me to enter, you know, tinfoil hat territory. <laughs> <laughs> I think this and is the righteous topic. If we're going to do it, this is the one we should do it. On. This is the one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me, let me lead up to an answer then. And let's just go back to where we're at with the current COVID variant and start from there. What, most people have forgotten and actually never knew. I, I never knew this until COVID and I began doing the actual research and studying decades and decades worth of data myself uh, on, on viruses, on just airborne viruses, the cold, the flu, and such as that, is people die of the common cold by the thousands every year. We're not seeing anything unusual right now with this current variant. The only thing that we're seeing that scares people is we call it COVID instead of calling it a coronavirus or instead of calling it what it has evolved into, which is nothing more than a common cold. And people die from the common cold every year. Usually people that have sicknesses, comorbidities, the elderly and some, you know, weaker children that that is generally who succumbs to the common cold. But we don't we don't hear panic about that because that's been happening since the, the dawn of man. And so it's not something that that uh, they had to scare us with. But what they what they managed to do with covid was they tried to sell us on the idea that something in the range of three to four percent of the population was getting killed by this virus back when it was first unleashed on us in early 2020. And that three to 4% was enough to scare everybody into hiding into lockdowns, into not going to work, into giving up their jobs, taking their jobs away from people like they did mine and, and, and so forth and so on down the line, wearing the mask, taking the vaccines, all of those, all of those things. But you're right, Dan, if they are able to convince us either by a real pandemic emergency, a real health crisis that's taking out 10 or 15% of the population, either by convincing us of numbers through media manipulation, or if it's actually just real, then Dan, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem and it will be greater. It will be more intense than anything that anyone has ever experienced in any lifetime. More so it'll be, it'll be worse than, than the bubonic plague. And the reason why I say that is because the, the people in the bubonic plague era, they weren't being scared to death by six 24 hour channel news stations, completely pounding them all day long and programming them into a, um, a fear coma every day. Yeah. And that's what we're going to have with this. And again, when I say this, be it real or not, that's what they're going to tell us. And that's what they're going to, uh, psyop the entire world with at that time. Let me, let me just go out on a limb here. While you were talking, I did a internet search, duckduckgo.com. I'd seldom use Google. And I had heard uh, some comments that were made by Bill Gates recently. And for those of you that know Bill Gates and you know him as one of the founders of Microsoft, multi-billionaire, yada, 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 his big thing now is and has been for a long time is not for profit. They are into vaccinations worldwide. 
they have spent tens of millions, hundreds of millions of Bill Gates' money doing vaccine tests in other nations. And some of the most egregious things have happened to people that were in human trials and people died, people were permanently disabled. The Gates Foundation was kicked out of India, kicked out of New Zealand because they were killing people that were actually in human trials. And Gates, just all of a sudden, I think it's because he has credibility and for decades he never said anything at all about health care, although he is a true eugenist, as was his father. Those are people that believe we ought to be able to put regular people to sleep. In other words, destroy them because they're no longer worthy of living on earth. That's a little extreme. But every time he comes up and says something, I always pay attention. So I did this internet search, and I'm just going to read the first line of about three or four of these. Bill Gates on Ebola and the low risk of the disease in the U.S., The next one, Bill Gates, the world's next epidemic, could be much worse than Ebola. Bill Gates, the next (laughs) outbreak, we're not ready. Bill Gates explains how we can prepare for the next epidemic. epidemic. Bill Gates on how the Ebola outbreak can help us prepare for the next one. Bill Bill Gates praises U.S. response to Ebola epidemic. And that one was in Sierra Leone back in 2015, 2014, 2015. This kind of stuff, you know me. I'm slick bald. It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. (laughs) Because some of this stuff was being discussed pre-COVID-19. Not having the name COVID-19, but they were talking, a bunch of them, they got busted in uh, conference calls for doing it, talking about the next pandemic in the U.S. They have two cards to play right now, Dan. They have the climate crisis card and they have the pandemic card to play. They've already tested the pandemic card. They threw that, they threw that out and it worked and they got they, they saw that they could shut down the entire world. The problem is, is that in the ensuing three years, the world has learned a lot more about what they, what they pulled on us. And we know that they, in fact, pulled the wool over us. We know now beyond any shadow of a doubt that this was not the uh, crisis that they made it out to be. And then with the climate crisis, we have now just, I think you may have seen this uh, just in the last few days, some 15, 1600, uh, climate scientists have signed a open letter uh, and have have challenged the narrative and said, no, this is not a, an existential crisis. Uh, this whole carbon uh, crisis thing is, is not real. It's not going to end life as we know it on the planet. And they are rising up against the narrative. And so as as people are becoming brave, as scientists, as real scientists, as real experts are becoming brave and kicking against the uh, moneyed interest, whether it's on the pharmaceutical side or whether it's on the, um, uh, the climate side, they are going to have to, if they want to take us to that next step, 
if we're going to if we're going to continue this conversation today and 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 uh, um, get our our tinfoil hats fitted properly, they're, they're going to have to they're they're going to have to take us to that next step, and they're going to have to prove it by something like an Ebola. Now, Bo- Ebola is in fact more easily contained than would be a coronavirus, but it's also much, much more deadly. And just the, the mortality rate or fatality rate of contracting Ebola will scare everyone into absolute total lockdown. And of course, the only reason that would be something that would be considered would be because of the uh, instant, unbelievable fear factor that would accompany yep. something like Ebola. I want to I want to yep. switch gears real quickly. I d- j- folks just put all this in the back of your mind and know that we're watching. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We're watching. We're watching and we'll be the lightning rods if and when something develops along this line. And I think we're at a place now in our information about such things that it's going to be really difficult for anybody in the mob, mob rules, our government, CDC, whoever, to keep something like we're thinking they may be considering using and playing it as a card in the game. Um, we're, 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 we, we all have our noses to the ground, so we would keep you posted on that. I want to switch gears the time we have left. What's going to happen with this Trump mess? Do you think that they are going, they being the left, the Biden administration, whoever's really running our government, all rolled in together. Do you think they're going to be able to realistically stop Trump from being able to run for president? There's no way they're going to get all these trials done before the 2024 election. They won't even be able to get discovery completed before the 2024 elections. But do you think they're really going to be effective at doing this just if it happens to only be putting enough doubt in Americans' minds, people that would ordinarily consider pulling the Trump lever won't do it? If it was anyone other than Trump, I would say, yes, they have the ability and they have all the tools and the weapons they need to be successful. Trump has been and continues to defy not only description, but defy the odds in every aspect. How many, I mean, as, as we've pointed out before, every single time that he's been indicted, his poll numbers go up. He continues to expand his lead, not only in the GOP uh, primary race, but, uh, but even on a head to head against Biden, it, it just defies logic. Uh, and he continues to do that. And, and as you know, that's me saying that as a non-Trump guy, it, it's it's just it, you can call it um, just facing the facts and the reality. You can call it a, a, a type of admiration I have uh, for him being able to do that. But nevertheless, that's the reality of the situation. Now, can they keep him from being on the ballots? I think that that is and has the potential to be a reality on a state by state basis. But I don't know that they can do that on a national basis for the reason you've you've mentioned before. I don't think that they're going to have the ability to put that 14th Amendment restriction on him 
from being on the ballot nationwide because they're not going to get a conviction before the election on that case. It's I, I, I don't see I don't see a judge. You know, not, we're not talking about the judge who's handling the case right now. There's not going to be an appellate judge, and even if it's fast tracked to the Supreme Court for rulings, even on just motions from the lawyers, there's nobody in their right mind is going to fast track that trial when you have 12 to 15 million documents that have to be gone through by the attorneys. And then on top of that, you have 19 defendants and all of those 19 defendants are now starting to fight amongst each other. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. So it's, they're, it, they're not going to get there. They're, they're not going to get to this, this trial by, by election time, certainly not before the primaries are over. And I, I just don't, I don't see them keeping him off the ticket. Now I do see some blue States trying to, trying to monkey around, trying to pull some shenanigans and keeping him off of the uh, ballot in some blue States. I see that potentially taking place. But then again, I think there'll probably be emergency Supreme court uh, appeals and intervention if that if they try to pull that it's been tried a couple of times before and as you said it was an emergency action followed the supreme court supreme court said you can't there's no way you can call on the 14th amendment if somebody is not convicted in federal court it would have right. to be federal court not state court for even a state to pull it off of theirs it would have to pass muster nationwide and there never has been anything like that that's been successful. So all that being said, let me let me just step in here and uh, I want to make a point for all of you that maybe are new, you don't know Steve, his politics are, he is very conservative. He is more conservative than most people that listen to this show. But if the election were held today and it was Joe Biden and Donald Trump, I will tell you, Steve would vote for Donald Trump. He's very conservative, Steve is. And he, he is uh, he's an individual rights guy, which I am too. I'm somewhere between um, Steve Baker and Attila the Hun <laughs> in my politics. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted, yeah, I wanted know, to it, get that out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you just really clarified that person. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean, no. that's for sure. Yeah, and, 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 to, and to the extent that I'm further right, it is that I, I see the left-right paradigm as a straight line, not some sort of yeah. graph yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, um, or some sort of quadrant. It, I, I see people that are for individual rights, first and foremost, on the right side of that graph and those who are for collectivism and for the, uh, the state being, you know, in control from a central government of all aspects of our life. I see those on the far left. So to the extent that I'm on the far right of that, in that description, then, you know, uh, guilty as charged. Gotcha. So in this last segment that we have here with the investigation that is ramping up, it seems like it continues to ramp up. We're struggling to get anything solid or substantive that we could call more call evidence more than allegations regarding this uh, Biden thing. Do you see anything coming of that pre-election? 
of all of the actions that are being taken against Biden himself, I I see them ramping up their own, as they say, their own war room to begin dealing with and handling the ongoing uh, pressures that are coming against Hunter and, uh, and against the Biden crime family uh, uh, evidence that's coming forward. And I don't see this going away. In fact, I see in my, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm pulling out my own crystal ball, I see the, the writing on the wall that this is a designed plan, not coming from the right, not coming from the Republican Party, not coming from the uh, Republican GOP controlled House of Representatives and their committees and their investigators. I think that the left is going to themselves take Biden out. Now, they're going to do it diplomatically, slowly, gently, and they're going to put him into a position of such discomfort that he has to withdraw from the race. But um, that 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 I think is going to happen before his inauguration. I predicted he would never make it to uh, the 2024 election that somewhere in between there. I I was assuming it was going to happen a bit earlier. I saw a scenario in which Nancy Pelosi would call uh, Chuck Schumer and whoever was the um, the um, chief Republican in the House as she was House Speaker, and say, hey, Jill called. Joe's got something going on medically. He's going to have to step down. I Mm -hmm. now think he's not going to make it till the first of this year. I think the pressure is getting so high, and every day or every week, more and more information comes out that pretty much fingers him as being in the direct line of fire in the receipt mode for this money that we all know reasonably we're not quite there in the evidentiary spot where we can say absolutely but reasonably believe that joe wasn't getting a bunch of that money that was coming from places like china and uh, russia and some other places and that explains to the american people people that i talk to they say you know what look at what he's doing internationally as president it seems like He's getting everybody the ability to get away with taking advantage of the United States, places like Russia, places like China. Well, obviously, when Donald Trump was in office, he didn't let any of that happen. In fact, the opposite was true. What's the difference? And this is people talking to me. And the answer is they must have something on him. There must be some reason why he is giving them so much and letting them get by with so much that no previous president would ever do. How far do you think it's going to go? I know where I want it to go. I want them to declare a truce based upon the idea of mutually assured destruction, that if they're going to destroy Trump, then the GOP needs to do their job, and they need to stand up and say, then, okay, that's what that's the game you want to play. We're going to destroy the Biden family. We're going to take down every family member who has received money into offshore accounts. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the various uh, shell corporations that they have set up and we're going to take them all out. And so either pull back your weapons on this Trump campaign. And again, for your audience, you're hearing a guy say this who's not a Trump guy. Yeah. 
but that's exactly what needs to happen. We don't need this. Now, is, has, is, is it true that no one is above the law? Yes, that is true. Okay. But we have a constitutional process for going after presidents. And the last thing we want to do after they are no longer in office and can be impeached and then be tried in the Senate for whatever they were impeached for in the House, then the only thing that separates us from being a true banana republic uh, with the rest of the world is the fact that we don't then continue the process of going after our ex-presidents for whatever crimes that we believe that they may have committed. And believe me, every single president is always accused of being some sort of, you know, mass murderer, some killer, some, there's always some huge crime that they're all capable of being tried against, even in an international court. But we just don't do that here. And, but that's what they're doing to Trump for the first time in our, in our nation's history. And the only thing we can do at this point is turn the gun straight at the Biden family and say, okay, you want to play this game? Here we go. I think so. Either back off or let's go or either back off or we move forward in a mutually assured destruction manner. I think that's the point that I was referencing that, you know, he would get to a point where it's insurvivable, insurvivable. He can't make it past that point. Mm -hmm. And they'll give him the opportunity to step down, just like they did Richard Nixon. You know, they were going to impeach him, and yeah. they had him dead to rights uh, and just gave him a chance. I don't even know that Joe knows the stuff that no. he has been involved in, basically because he probably didn't make any of those decisions that were made on his behalf by others, and we can speculate all day. But I think it's got to come to a head pretty quickly. And I think the Democrats see that now. That's why I think he won't make it till the first of the year. They're going to have to make this thing happen. Steve-O, it's amazing. You bring so much to the table every week, and I thank you for that. I just want to say the smell of cinnamon rolls has been wafting through the studio <laughs> and you're not here to get, not, not only there. were you going to get one to eat while we were on the air, she was giving you a pan to take with you. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not far away. You I know, know, I'll, I know. I'll, I'll I'll open I'll open the window here in a moment and see if I can smell them. I'm only, I'm only three hours from you. Well, when you're driving back home from there, um, she makes these, you know, it's that thing where she feeds it and every few days she has to make bread and she makes regular right. loaves of bread, also makes king cake, but uh, the cinnamon rolls comes from that. So yeah. I think you're, you're planning to be in DFW a few more days. Give me a call if you're coming back through and maybe we could coordinate a cinnamon roll stop. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you so much, Steve. Great to have you. Thank you, Dan. Stay in touch. I don't know anybody that has a better pipeline into the latest information, things going on in D.C. than Steve Baker. And you heard, we talked about pretty much everything. And he not only is very educated and has great opinions and thoughts about things, he's very objective. And that's why the Blaze Network has reached out and captured him. I don't know if you've heard, but he is now an official correspondent for writing stories for The Blaze. That's uh, Glenn Beck's network. It's headquartered over in Dallas. 
Hey, listen, something else is going on now. Voters are getting a little more proactive and vocal about who is best qualified to take the reins and run this nation going forward. Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Hmm. Think about that. Give you the facts next. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. You're driven all night. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a dare iced coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta coffee kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A dare iced coffee fix will fix it. harder for me to get in the voting mode when we're this far out. I mean, it seems like when you think about it, oh man, we're talking about next year sometime. I mean, fall, we're not even in the fall yet. We got a year plus to go. It's going to go before you know it. It always does. And so we American voters, we need to be diligent and staying on top of all the information. Right now, more voters think that former President Trump has a vision for the future. More think that than those that think that current President Joe Biden has a vision for the future. Now, this came out of the Wall Street Journal this morning. The poll showed a majority of voters see Trump as having a record of getting stuff done as president, 51% saying Trump has such a record, 40% saying Biden has that record. The poll also showed that 52% of voters think Trump has that vision for the future. Only 44% think Biden has a vision for the future. Now, let me say this. Before you jump out there and you denigrate the findings of this Wall Street Journal poll, you got to think about this. Put in perspective We're talking about that old adage, perception is reality. Now, what that means is whatever people think, in most cases, 
That's their reality. Now, theirs may be a little bit different than yours, but most of the time when the majority of the people think something is so, it works out that that's actually the way it is. If this race is about personality and temperament, then Biden might have an advantage. If the race is about policies and actual performance, then Trump has the advantage. That's simply the way it works. Nobody can credibly maintain that Donald Trump is not abrasive and not a bully sometimes. Nobody can credibly say that Joe Biden is not um, you can't say that he's got it all together, that he's not challenged in other ways. But when you put it all together, the way people think about that and in regards to who's qualified to best serve in that role, you get diverse opinions. But go to this. This is what everybody needs to stick to. Forget about the he said, she said, mean guy, bully, Cognitive decline. Just forget about all the labels and start thinking about the only thing that matters. Who has shown they can do a better job over the next four years than the other? The poll showed 36% of voters think that Biden is mentally fit for the job. 46% believe Trump is mentally fit for the presidency. A majority says The economy has gotten worse over the past two years, 58% agreeing it's worse, and 28% saying it's gotten better. Now, I don't know who those 28% are. I don't know anybody in my world that says they're better off economically now than they were before Biden became president. The Biden administration They're out there touting its performance on economics and they coined the phrase Bidenomics and they brag about it and people out in the Netherlands, I mean out in the middle of nowhere, they hear the term Bidenomics and they put that on the economics going on at their house and they say it sucks, it's bad. Among voters, 48% said Biden is a likable guy, 31% said the same of Trump, 45% said Biden is honest. Only 38% said Trump is honest. Voters are looking for change, and neither of the leading candidates is the change that they're looking for. Now, who did that come from? You can bet it came from a Democrat pollster, a guy named Michael Boshan, who helped conduct the survey for the Wall Street Journal. The poll was conducted with 1,500 registered voters from the 24th to the 30th of last month. A margin of error, plus or minus 2.5%, and done through cell phone, landlines, and by text with an invitation to take an online survey. In other words, these are people that did a little more than just, ah, okay, and just fill something out. I thought you'd kind of like to hear and know that. There's something that has come out about minority support for these two guys. Two top Democrats backed on Sunday a theory 
that former President Trump could be disqualified from running under that 14th Amendment thing that Steve and I just talked about. Democrat reps Adam Schiff and Tim Kaine of Virginia, Adam Schiff of California, they backed the idea that Trump could be blocked from the ballot under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which maintains that anyone, and I'm going to quote the amendment, anyone who, quote, engaged in insurrection cannot hold office, elected office, according to Axios. Free Speech for People, a Democrat-aligned group, also sent letters to secretaries of state in key 2024 states last week claiming Trump should be removed from the ballot. Adam Schiff said Sunday on MSNBC, the disqualification fits Donald Trump to a T. He said, and I hate to quote Adam Schiff, (laughs) but I will, if you engage in acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government, or you give aid and comfort to those who do, you are disqualified from running, Schiff said. It doesn't require that you be convicted of insurrection. It just requires that you have engaged in these acts. Kane told ABC, there is a powerful argument to be made for disqualification. In my view, the attack on the Capitol that day was designed for a particular purpose at a particular moment, and that was to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power as is laid out in the Constitution, he said, noting that it probably it's going to get resolved in the courts. Breaking today, we, this is a group, issued letters to the chief election officials of five more states, Florida, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Ohio, and Wisconsin, making clear that they must enforce the constitutional mandate of 14, Section 3, and bar Trump from the ballot. Now, where do the real knowledgeable law enforcement constitutional attorneys weigh in on this? One that I have pretty much great respect for, Jonathan Turley. He is a registered Democrat. He did not vote for Trump. He's from George Washington University. He called the idea of disqualifying Trump under the 14th Amendment, quote, the single most dangerous constitutional theory I've seen pop up in decades. Hans von Spakovsky, election law reform initiative manager and senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation, previously told the Daily Caller News that Section 3 of the amendment is no longer in effect because Congress passed two amnesty acts in 1872 and 1898 as it allowed to do under the section to remove the disabilities imposed by Section 3. Moreover, Donald Trump has never been convicted of insurrection or rebellion by any court and not by Congress either in the impeachment proceedings that were attempted against him. These attempts to disqualify him from the ballot are unconstitutional. And then Cornell Law School professor William Jacobson previously told Daily Caller that allowing state officials to determine what constitutes insurrection on their own would wreak havoc on our constitutional presidential electoral system. So let me ask you, do you really think that Adam Schiff and the other guy that we talked about, Tim Kaine, who ran 
for vice president of the United States, senator from Maryland. What are they basing their thoughts on? Not on facts, not on evidence. I mean, these guys, like Schiff said, if you engage in acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government, there's no evidence that shows that Donald Trump did any of that. Not any. If it was, he would have been charged, but the special counsel didn't charge him for any of those things. Why would he not do that? If it would disqualify Donald Trump from running for any elected office, why wouldn't the guy who was hired solely to hang Trump from the high Put him up as high as you possibly can so the whole world can see him be hung for his acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government. There's no question about it. Tim Kaine, Adam Schiff, they hate Donald Trump. Kaine got it right when he said this. He started his explanation. In my view. That's his opinion. He got that part right, but his opinion is not borne out in constitutional law. I was shocked when I heard Jonathan Turley actually came out and gave it some credibility, calling it the single most dangerous constitutional theory I have seen pop up in decades. Now, I didn't get a clarification of what he meant. It could mean dangerous because it could possibly be justifiably used or dangerous could be somebody trying to do that is attacking the constitution and that's dangerous even thinking that there is any possibility of that being used to thwart our legal election process it just makes me wonder again and again and again why is the left so hell-bent on keeping Donald Trump from getting back in the White House? That keeps coming back to me multiple times a day when I sit down. When I'm reading, when I'm listening, when I'm investigating, that's always in the back of my mind. Why? Why are they so dead set? Do you think that he knows something that they know and they don't want him to be able to use it against any of the wrongdoing and the wrongdoers? I think that may be part of it. I don't think it's all of it. I think Donald Trump, they see and understand now that because of his commitment and the use of the MAGA moniker, Make America Great Again, that still lingers out there that too many Americans signed on to that philosophy and too many Americans have been convinced that they've been lied to, they've been used by those on the left, and they're tired of it, and they don't care. That, my friends, is a fact, because there's no other way to explain how or why the support for Donald Trump would actually go up after every one of those four indictments were released against him, every time they went up, 
And so there are a lot of minority people, minority voters, that are already coming out and saying they would vote for Trump. So question came out over the weekend. Are black voters actually giving Donald Trump a second look? That would be a real, real strange thing because as we know, Democrats control the minority voter, at least they think they do. It's time for our Seen and Unseen segment where we explore the cultural stories of the day. And for that, we turn to Fox News contributor Raymond Arroyo. All right, Raymond, I think something uh, it feels like we struck a nerve with Joy and the gang over at MSNBC. Yeah, I think we did, Laura. This is how they reacted to the idea that black voters might be giving Trump a second look. Namely, that Trump being an accused felon has broadened his appeal with black voters. As one black lady I spoke with earlier today here in New Orleans said, Trump's a gangster. And that means he has cred among a new block of voters that perhaps have never given him a serious look. And now they're looking again. Y'all, y'all don't really know any black people, do you? None, right? None, I figured. No, Joy, I guess mm. I guess those were imaginary black guests you had on the show the other night, Laura. And and I suppose I don't know any black people in New Orleans, my home, a majority black city. And I never go into that city to the communities most affected by D.C. policies and actually talk to the people that most networks ignore. No, Joy, I've never done any of that, I guess. And I guess all those like polls or phantom polls that show Trump has an increasing percentage of the black vote. Is that's all made up? I guess. Oh, they don't yeah. like that. They, they're criticizing I, the Fox poll. I get it. But Raymond, the thing is, yeah, we have Laura, to all remember. It's not, it's not wait, just. Hold on. It's not but, just the Fox poll. It, it, yeah. There are others. Axios, Reuters. They're all saying the same thing. Well, we have to remind everyone that you cannot be authentically African American in the eyes of some on the left if you don't subscribe to their views on a variety of issues. That's why they never thought Clarence Thomas was authentically black. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Sowell was never black. Walter Williams, any of the people that we featured on our show, they're not real. They're fake or they're, you know, they they use phrases that are horrible like Uncle Tom. So that's what they think. Mm -hmm. They're not actually authentic. So I take issue with that. Well, Democrats are apparently seeing the same polls that everybody thinks is make-believe, and I think they're worried, Laura. It's so bad. Al Sharpton is trying to revive Trump's urging the death penalty for the Central Park Five in the 1990s. Let them come and tell the rappers and others that are being seduced by Trump what he did in his hometown to innocent black men. Now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Rappers are being seduced by Trump. He better watch that. Joy Reid's liable to tell him he doesn't know any black people. But the interesting thing here is, of all the people trying to recall the early 90s and the late 80s, Laura, Al Sharpton should be the last one talking about race and that period. I have two words for him. Tawana Brawley. Tawana Brawley. Remember that hoax? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and we know what they do to black Americans who get in their way. Uh, And that's to the next point that you were going to raise. Yeah, well, this is the other problem that the Democrats have, and it's an electoral one. Cornell West. This is West commenting on Bernie Sanders and the Democratic Party. Listen to this. They are dominated by their corporate wing. They're dominated by the militarists when it comes to foreign policy. And that he and AOC and the others are going to be, in a certain sense, 
window dressing. The Democratic Party is beyond redemption at this point. Raymond, I love how beyond <laughs> I love how Joe and Kamala, their answer to all this with with what a new outreach to the black community. And it consists of inviting a few elites to the White House for a photo op and a listening session. It's what we make it out to be. That's all it is. People are expressing their opinions. And opinions are simply that, opinions. We all have one about everything. And just because you think something's one way or the other doesn't mean it's one way or the other. Wow. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. We're here every day for the rest of the week. Surprise guests later in the week. You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.